Hi, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming you out there in listener listener land mm -hmm, know everything there is to know about Game 7s and pure heartbreak. I am your (laughs) I am your host today, Rebecca. Uh, And I have sadness in my heart. And I am I am joined today. (laughs) I am joined today by Rachel. Hey, I'm Rachel, your baseball guru. And Nancy. I am your basketball enthusiast. Awesome. So uh, let's go ahead and start with current events. I'm going to toss this over to Nancy to tell us what's been happening in professional basketball. Um, <clears throat> well, let's, so, so I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about today. So the, the NBA and the WNBA are both in the process of doing their like first round or so of, of playoffs. Um, and I have not been following either super closely, um, because a, none of the teams I care about in the NBA are in the playoffs currently. So I, I've been like, you know, reading a few articles here and there, but I haven't been watching many of the games. Um, and the WNBA, I keep meaning to watch and then catching like the ends of games because I don't know why. I don't have a good excuse. I am failing in my duty on that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I honestly, I think for me, part of it is timing. Like they're yeah. not on in prime time. And so it's hard between work and life and of everything else going on in the world to catch them. That's that's definitely part of it. And I, I will say, <laughs> I was indulging my uh, salty, bitter side this week um, by responding to idiot men in comments on sports websites, <laughs> um, which I saw that. is entertaining that for a while, and then it gets very depressing. <laughs> but like yeah. for a little while, it's real fun. Um, and... and there was one gentleman who was, uh, I don't think it was the one I tweeted. I did tweet a, a reply to a gentleman who was saying that, uh, you know, he feels like there's already enough diversity in media broadcasting because um, he feels like half of, you know, half of everyone he sees on TV is like not a white dude. And I was like, well, that's cool, but white dudes should only be like 20% of like, you know, white dudes over 40 should be 20% or less because statistically that's the amount of population that they are, right? Yeah. Uh, math. Math is real fun for folks like this. Um, yeah, but, but there was another but do one. do people like that believe in math? Because isn't math no, a No, probably not. But this was about making myself especially, feel good, not about changing their minds. <laughs> especially math presented to them by a woman. That's like witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so here's the thing I was realizing. Well, I have mixed feelings about this. I have thought, you know, my first name is Nancy. It's very blatantly feminine. Um, I like my name at this point, but it's my one complaint about what my parents did. Dad, thanks a lot. Uh, my, my name is very feminine, um, both my first and my middle name. So like, there's no, you know, unless I use my initials, which I often do, there's no getting away that you immediately know that I'm female presenting. Right. Um, which fine. It was the eighties. We excuse lots of things from the eighties, whatever. Um, (laughs) but you know, I'm on the athletic making comments and you know, it shows up as Nancy K. Right. And, you know, amidst Jeff and Dave and Bob and Dale. And and I have thought a few <laughs> times, like, I wonder if it would make sense to have changed my name uh, to be something at the very least gender neutral so that when I'm replying to these idiots on the Internet, that they have a higher chance of maybe reading the comment. 
But then on the other hand, I was like, but but actually increased visibility of women on this site is actually probably also good. Um, yeah. Because I, I want the athletic to know uh, that I'm reading their stuff and giving them money and that I have a vested interest in the articles they're publishing. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anyway. Brave of you to read the comments anyway. Oh, it's always a mistake. It's always <laughs> a mistake. But but sometimes you just can't help yourself, right? So, yeah. so I was reading these particular comments and one, one gentleman was making the... What I'm sure he thought was benign argument that nobody watches the WNBA because it's a subpar product, right? And oh my so god, I, I am so tired of that, that argument. I'm so, so tired, tired of that, of argument. that argument. And 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 his argument was we shouldn't cover it because it's a subpar product, and obviously that cannot be the result of systemic uh, misogyny, and that if it were just better, more people would watch it, and then more media should cover it. But media, sports media, is a dollars-based game, and therefore. They should be spending the money on the things that people care about, i.e. men's sports. Did he use the phrase systemic misogyny? He did use the word misogyny. I don't remember if systemic was in it or not, but he was he was very clearly saying, you know, okay. uh, because the article that, that prompted all of this was an article about, um, it was an excerpt from a book that's coming out, and I sent you guys the link to the book, and I cannot now recall the title of it, but it sounds real good. It's all about uh, diversity in sports media, and it's written, it's a bunch of interviews with folks who are not, you know, straight white men over 40, and what their experience has been in sports media. It sounds super interesting. I think we should do a book club. I'm all over that yeah. shit. So they posted a an excerpt of it as an article on The Athletic, and the comments were uniformly... This sounds terrible. Nobody cares anyway. Also, with a side of why is the athletic always doing these articles that are not literally about how many baskets were scored in the latest game? Nobody wants to talk about this shit. So I left them a very nice comment that said, hello, I would like to talk about this shit. Thank you for sharing this. Um, but then, also, sorry, they're talking more... about this shit. How, <laughs> how many more articles do we need that tells us the score of a game? Well, apparently several. So, <laughs> I mean, you you understand why I was going through and replying. I can tell by the pitch of your voice that you <laughs> share some of the feelings that I shared um, at this time. Uh, but there was this this guy who was saying, you know, the part of the problem with the WNBA is that uh, you know it's a subpar product, and so we shouldn't cover it because you know nobody cares and obviously this isn't the result of misogyny it's just that nobody cares and also it's not good so like nobody cares because it's not good so i proceeded to explain to him at length how it was in fact the result of systemic misogyny and how he you know there were a variety of ways that we could be addressing this as a society and in fact one of them is the way that the athletic is doing by beginning to cover it so that in fact more people can get interested and be you know part of the solution to this problem. Um, and I also graciously assumed that by subpar product, quote unquote, he was referring to the production values rather than the players themselves, because we're just not opening that particular Pandora's <laughs> box of yeah. issues. Um, but Rebecca, that's all an extremely long tangent to say, yes, I think the problem with some of it is, and part of why I haven't been watching as much as I want to, is because the timing of the games changes a lot. It's often during business hours. You know, I, I have gone back and watched, you know, recorded games sometimes, um, but, you know, that's not as much fun as watching live, at least for mm-hmm. me. 
Um, so, you know, adding more games to primetime and making them more available. Like, I, I can now get all the channels, so that's not part of the problem. It's really timing. Um, in any case, uh, the two teams that I root for in the WNBA, excuse me, are the Seattle Storm and the Chicago Sky, who are both in the playoffs and doing quite well. Uh, the Seattle Storm has some terrific players, including Sue Bird, who I believe is either now 40 or about to turn 40 and is still just beating the pants off everybody. <gasps> and boy, is she an inspiration for us all. Yeah. Because, that like, old yeah. lady. What a grandma. <laughs> well, I mean, for, for basketball, 40 is no, old. I, I don't know. care if you're a man or a woman. Like that. No, fully There's agree. Yeah. Few players in the NBA who are <laughs> over forty, like that's real. Um, so she's amazing. They also have uh, Jewel Lloyd, who's incredible. Um, I'm bad with names, so I'm always reluctant to name names because I'm gonna just mix them up at some point. Um, oh, Stewie is on Sue, there. She's and great. Sue Bird is um, yes, Megan Megan Rapinoe's, Rapinoe's wife. Girlfriend. Oh, girlfriend. I, think, I think you're probably Partner, right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Subert is amazing. We stand. Um, Jewel Lloyd, also amazing. So there was a game they were playing. I think they were playing the Sparks. I don't know now remember. But they were tied at the end. And it was literally 0.8 seconds left. And we need... I, I definitely RT'd this link from our account multiple times, I think. <laughs> but if you have not seen it... It's amazing. They have 0.8 seconds left. They are down one, maybe down two. Enough that a, they, that a three-pointer will save it. Sue Bird inbounds to Jewel Lloyd, who, like, pulls a Clay Thompson and just, like, I don't think her feet even hit the ground before she turned and released the shot and just switched the most beautiful three-pointer from the corner. It... I mean, and of course, then the buzzer rings and and the crowd, the crowd, quote-unquote, all of the players <laughs> on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> go wild. Um, but it was terrific. I mean, it was just like the most cold-blooded, like, dagger three-pointer <laughs> that you could ever hope to see just, just right into the heart of the other team. It was fantastic. So I highly recommend going and watching the end of that game in particular. Um, also, uh, the Chicago Sky have uh, two players uh, who are married, which I have talked about before because I think it's freaking adorable. Um, Qu Quigley and Vandersloots, Vandersloot, <laughs> which are terrific pair of last names. Um, the, do they hyphenate? I hope they hyphenate. I don't think they do, but people I've seen people calling them the Vanderquigs, which I think is also pretty terrific. <laughs> so, um, and uh, Vandersloot, as she goes by Sloot, I guess. Um, Courtney is her first name, uh, recently got the highest number of assists in a game, 18, if I recall correctly, 18 assists in a single game for the, I think it's the WNBA record, not just the franchise record. Um, now, so an assist in impressive. basketball is just to make sure the ball to the person who makes the shot. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Similar thing in hockey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Only in hockey, you can have two, three or four Two. You like, primary and two. secondary. Okay. Yeah. Basketball is just one. You only get yeah. only the first person. Yeah. So assist. if you pass it to the person who passed it to the goal scorer, you get the secondary assist. 
Right. Yeah. Basketball doesn't care about that. We only care about primary cysts and we just call them assists. Um, so Chicago Sky is doing real good. Um, and they have players I really like. Seattle Storm also doing real good. Have players I really like. Um, but but that's kind of... I've been following the highlights, but I haven't been watching many of the games, which I need to do. I have to say, my other real sports complaint this week is that I keep track of like games that I want to see on pages in my bullet journal. Um, and then I can, you know, I have nice little cute little stickers that are like a basketball or like <laughs> hockey sticks, you know, and I can very easily look and just be like, oh, okay, hockey's on tonight. And then I can look up what game it was that I cared about, you know, but it's, it's very mm, easy to okay. just be like, it, it's very sh- attention grabbing, right? A basketball. Okay. okay, great. There's a basketball game on that I care about tonight. But the playoffs don't release their dates. Mm. And so I was like trying to find, I mean, first of all, I was trying to figure out if anybody I cared about in hockey was going to get through, uh, first of all. And then with the WNBA, I was trying and trying and trying to find like the full playoff schedule because of course, like some of the games are dependent, like, you know, five, six and seven. Well, and for them, I think they're, I want to say they're doing three of five. So like the last couple games are always questionable because you don't know if they're going to be needed. Right. But they're usually scheduled or at least in the NBA, historically they've been scheduled um, and you just don't know if they'll be played or not, but they have a date on the calendar, right? They have dates for all of these things. And then if the last couple games of a series aren't going to happen, you just get a couple off days, right? And then you know when the next series is going to start. But I cannot find, for love nor money, a WNBA calendar of the full 2020 playoff schedule. And I feel like this is really another piece of, like, women's sports don't get the same systemic treatment. I remember when I would go into the office regularly, you could very easily, for the A's and the Warriors and the Sharks, find, like, I don't know if it's the teams who make them or fans who make them, but they're very nice printables, right, of the full season schedule. Yeah. And it has the home and the away games, and you print it off, and you hang it in your cubicle, and it's very nice. I could or only give it to your grandmother. I could ever... Right, sure. <laughs> the None of mine, but sure. <laughs> oh, mine. My, the, every year, my grandmother gets the... Um, MLB extra innings package on cable. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very good. Very good. Um, but for the for the best I could ever find for the Seattle Storm was a list of home games. So is that... And that was like after the season started. And I was like, I don't... I, I want to see what all the games are. I wow. don't care if they're home or not. I don't live in Seattle. Is that and historically like, that's all you've been able to find? Or this year that's all you've been able to find? That was last year. I haven't okay. looked for this year. Okay. But then this year I have been trying to find... I mean, maybe my Google food just sucks. Like, maybe you should Google for it, Rebecca. Whoa. But I could not find a list of the 2020 WNBA playoff series dates. Like, well, and I, I'm so I was wondering if that was because of, of COVID, because of the weird situation that everything is in right now. Like, so for hockey, I know part of the part of the need for scheduling is the mm-hmm. arenas and the arena schedules right. and the travel schedules with no travel and no concern about arena schedules they can they can reschedule things kind of yeah. whenever they want yeah I so mean, I, I didn't i don't know in baseball but but in the bubble it shouldn't i mean they were they were hoping it wouldn't matter so i would think they should go ahead and just schedule them all but well. i don't know i mean i feel like it's certainly i mean 2020 is a fucked year like absolutely but but i feel like this is a, a 
another example of a pre-existing problem, which is that whenever I have tried to find stuff like this for the WNBA, it's always like half-assed and kind of late. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the teams or the organization or the fan, like, I don't know. I mean, in terms of like, because I know the teams do put out the official printable schedules. I think it actually comes from the the teams themselves. Does it? And yeah, and that's a, yeah, that's so strange. Um, We've seen it in like, you and I have tried to look at like the Berkeley rugby Mm -hmm. team schedule and like, you know, trying to support women's sports, but not having, you know, the, hate to bring SEO into it because God, do I hate talking about that. But, you know, you should be able to put it into Google and find there on the first page a schedule. It feels so basic, right? Like, I feel like if I worked for the Seattle Storm, like, the number one thing you do as a social media person or as a public, like, a publicist for the Storm at all, like, the first thing you do is tell people how to watch your games, right? When when they are and where to find them. Yes. So it looks like there's a WNBA schedule through the next week, at least. Yes. But then it ends. But then, yeah. They've had that up since, like, the end of July. Yeah. I mean, unless they're, like, they're not having the off days in between. Like, if a series is shorter, they just go ahead and play the next game rather than... Well, that's what they're doing in hockey. They're they're basing each season, each series, on how quickly they get through the previous one. Like, Mm -hmm. the, the... Western Conference um, teams finished on Friday mm-hmm. and they're going to start playing what's today? Today, Sunday. So, see, I think that's poor planning because I, I mean, I feel like, again, you want people to know when to watch. You don't want people to be scrambling going, is there a hockey game tomorrow? Oh, shit, I've got stuff I have to do tomorrow night. I don't know if I can catch that one. You want people to be able to say, okay, game three is next Friday. I better put that on my calendar. I mean, maybe. But also, I, I like, I have nothing to do right now. Like, I, <laughs> I work, and then I leave my quote-unquote office, and by which I mean I take three steps into the hallway, and then I'm home. <laughs> uh-huh. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, fair. maybe maybe that's maybe I'm an outlier here. I don't but I, I'm not sure that I am. I, I mean, that's a really good question. I don't know. Yeah. I, I want to know when shit's happening. I, I mean, I, not I like... like to know when shit's happening, but it's not like I'm going to have a conflict right now. But I might have a conflict with just stuff I want to do. Like that's my so so this is this is a thing we're gonna we're gonna get into me here for a second. <laughs> this is Nancy corner. This is Nancy on the couch. So my personality is such that if you surprise me with a question or you surprise me with something, the answer is always no. Like, which if I ever have children, that is a thing they are going to have to figure out real fast. If you come <laughs> up to me and you ask me for a thing, the answer is no. If you give me time to think about it, probably I'll actually go along with it. Like, probably I'll be interested. <laughs> I, I am way more willing to go along with something if you if you, I know about it ahead of time. Because I'm actually fairly easygoing in that regard. Like, I'm pretty up for most things generally speaking. But if you just come to me and you're like, oh, you want to watch hockey right now? No, no, I don't want to watch (laughs) hockey right now. I had plans for the rest of my evening. Maybe those plans are reading my book in the corner, but like, I didn't have a chance to think about this and plan ahead for it. And now the answer is no. So 
psychoanalyze that all you want. I mean, <laughs> but it means that I want to no, know. No, no, what's no. So, so I, I'm like that when it comes to like going out and doing something. If you say to me, uh-huh. like, pre- pretend we're in the before times, we're not in the COVID times, uh-huh. and you said, hey, let's go out to dinner tonight, I'd be like, mm, uh, I don't know, it's it's like 20 mm-hmm. minutes, mm-hmm. What? I, but what if I, mm-hmm. but if it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I was going to, I was going to water some plants, or I can watch hockey, all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, I have, I'm that way with everything, okay. Good to know. So we yeah. gotta, I gotta figure out how to market to the Nancys of the world. <laughs> I mean, or it might be just me. Like I may be <laughs> the only person who has a problem oh, with this. I'm not uh, ruling that out. <laughs> yeah, but I think this, the, the Nancys of the world gave up on this podcast months ago. <laughs> so are we gonna post this week? Are we gonna post next week? Who knows? What's gonna come next week? Was it an episode from January, well, or was it one from yesterday? <laughs> Okay, but like, who is now actually posting the episodes and doing the metadata and doing the spreadsheet? It's true. Right? It's me because I got too controlling. <laughs> you know what? And that was fine. <laughs> so like, right. And it's fine because I don't, you know, it's, I, I don't know. So how do we call back the Nancys of the world too. to this podcast? <laughs> Yo, I mean, that can I mean, be for another episode. Definitely a part of it. <laughs> because good metadata allows me to know what's in the podcast. It, n- yeah. it lets me know what I'm getting into. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do get that. Like, especially when I first yeah. start listening to a podcast, I want to know what I'm going to listen to. Right. Once, once yeah, you have exactly. my trust and I don't, I don't care what the episode's going to be. I'm going right. to just dive right in. Yeah. I still care a bit, but I'm more willing to, to just listen if I, if I have built up a, a trust. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> basketball. Yes. Basketball. <laughs> That's where this started. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we were talking about the WNBA, which is great. I'm I'm realizing, uh, I, I'm realizing I have a tendency to always talk about the NBA first, and I I want to break that habit um, because I do want to consider them equal. So we talked about the WNBA, um, and I should I should force myself to have a better update for the next time we record. But basically, go watch the Seattle Storm, and particularly go watch that that buzzer beater shot because that was fucking amazing. Um, the NBA, I'm, I'm not super invested right now, but I did watch um, the last game between the Thunder and the Rockets, um, who are both teams that have a history with the Warriors. What what cities um, are those? Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. So okay, thank you. This was interesting to me because uh, both teams have a history with the Warriors. Oklahoma City Thunder had kind of challenged them a few years back, and then it's the team that Kevin Durant left in order to come play with the Warriors. So there was a, a five minutes of heated rivalry there. Um, the the Thunder had a player called Russell Westbrook who had played with Kevin Durant for a long time. Um, apparently felt very betrayed when Kevin Durant left. Um, Isn't he the guy who's kind of a jerk anyway? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, He has a real chip on his shoulder, it seems like. Um, And then the Houston Rockets were a team that for two years in particular were quote-unquote coming for the Warriors. They were going to dethrone them in the West. They had a cadre of players who were, you know, just, just, you know, better than the Warriors and were going to take the championship from them. Spoiler, it never happened. And the, he, the um, one with the great facial hair, right? Right, right. James Harden. 
uh, who has a beard that's like about a foot long, which if I were an NBA player, I feel like that thing must get like all sweaty. Like that's it a does no seem like any athlete, but, but it's but it's very impressive. It like it's a very it's very lush. It's very well groomed. Like he definitely takes good care. Oh, of so it's so, to his so it's not a it's not a Joe Thornton beard, which looks like scraggly. No, no, no. Okay. No, mm-hmm. it is not a father time beard. It is a very okay. thick, lush. Like, okay. like pull up a picture of <laughs> like, a, like a lumberjack beard. Yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so James Harden, and so previously, Russell Westbrook was on the Thunder. James Harden and Chris Paul and a few other guys were on the Rockets. The Thunder were grumpy at the Warriors because they had stolen Kevin Durant. The Rockets were grumpy at the Warriors because they wanted to dethrone them. Now, they've swapped players. Russell Westbrook is now on the Rockets, and Chris Paul is now on the Thunder, and they were battling each other. (laughs) So I was very curious about how this was going to go down. And I have to say, um, one of the things that James Harden is known for is that he is a very good player, but he also flops like a fucking fish. And he's (laughs) very, very good at it. Um, he is exceptional at at getting a foul. So by flopping, you mean like exaggerating whatever happened yes. and flopping yes. around, exaggerated falls. Exactly. And, yeah. Okay. In hockey, right. we call that right. embellishment. <laughs> oh, that's a. I like that. Yeah. James Harden is an expert at embellishment. Um, he's also legitimately a very good player. Um, but a lot of people have a lot of beef with him because, uh. They feel like he gets a lot of shots and a lot of a lot of turnovers and a lot of free throws because of his uh, um, acting skills, shall we say? Yes, exactly. And it's not just acting skills; he's really very good at getting people to foul him. But they're always like the tiniest of fouls, huh. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a it's an actual skill. It's just not <laughs> one that you like if you want the game to like proceed at pace. <laughs> um. Chris Paul, meanwhile, is uh, kind of a little guy. I, w- I want to say he's around Steph Curry's size, maybe even a little smaller. So in the NBA, like 6'3 and under is a little guy, right? Um, and he is just, uh, he's just determined, which if you're playing against him, you know, sucks because he's just always dogging you. Um, but it's interesting to watch when I don't have a real stake in it. And the other piece is that James Harden, weirdly, reminds me of my ex-stepfather. Like, there's something about his facial expressions (laughs) and his look and the giant beard that, like, if my sister ever listens to the show, I'll be real interested to hear if she sees it. So I have always had a special sort of antipathy towards James Harden, which is entirely undeserved on his end. I truly understand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he has done nothing to me personally. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, uh, but I've, de- I've definitely always kind of rooted against him. Uh, so seeing Chris Paul and the Thunder and the Rockets, Chris Paul versus James Harden, uh, the Rockets did beat them at the very, very end. It was another exceptionally close, really tight. One person fucked it up and then the team lost. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was game seven. Um so the end of that game was really interesting as well, but it was one of those moments where it was like, I didn't care so much about the game, but the history of the two teams and then the history of the players was really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then the Rockets are going to go on, and I think they've already started playing the Lakers, which is also interesting because the Lakers, of course, have LeBron James, who's still arguably the best player in basketball. 
Um, and they also have Anthony Davis, who is another really well-known player. Um, and the interesting thing about the Rockets playing the Lakers is that it's two very different styles of basketball. The Rockets play sort of like, they're mostly smaller players. They play very sort of like aggressive drag it out basketball where they really want to sort of like bully you into giving them the ball. And then they make a lot of three pointers and they're a very tough team, um, which was in contrast to the Warriors who, who play an elegant and fast game. The Lakers are a lot more big and showy. Uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are both really big dudes. Um, Anthony Davis in particular is like, I don't know how tall he actually is, but he's probably pushing seven feet um, and likes to just like go dunk it and likes to really, you know, make these sort of showy passes and, and, and saves. And, and so the combination of those two teams playing each other should be interesting. Um, I'm sorry. Anthony Davis is six foot 10 and has a wingspan of seven foot six. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> he also has a, he's also really well known for his unibrow. I was wondering if he was the yes. unibrow guy. He but is. He's the yeah. unibrow guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, wait, at one point wait. He, he yes. was, wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at his Wikipedia and it says he's in Space Jam. And I'm, and then I'm doing the math. He would have been like two in Space oh, Jam. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, he's going to come, yeah, no. he's going to be in the new Space Jam movie called Space Jam, right. A New Legacy, which is coming out next year. Yes. Which is also going to involve <laughs> LeBron James. I'm sorry. I did not intend on taking Curry. a left turn, but that felt like an important mm-hmm. left turn to take. Yeah, that's valid. Okay, yeah, please Never continue. don't bring up Space Jam, I think is a good rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Lakers and the Rockets are playing. Um, one of the Warriors Twitter accounts I follow was saying, okay, Warriors fans, which of these two teams are you gritting your teeth and rooting for? Because of course, they're both historic foes of the Warriors. And the answers were all basically like, well, we're rooting for the basketball. <laughs> we're rooting oh. for the guy who cleans the floor. Um, at least, at least nobody said the virus. <laughs> oh yeah, no, somebody probably. said I mean, it. maybe, but somebody, somebody said probably it. Did. <laughs> uh, so, I, 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 yeah, for me, that was real tough. I, I, I like and respect LeBron James quite a bit, actually. And the Lakers have uh, several players who used to be on the Warriors who I like, um, but it, it, it hurts me to root for an LA team. So, <laughs> so I really can't. <laughs> So, but also the Rockets. I, very, very basic question uh, here: Where are we in the in the postseason in basketball? We are starting, I believe, the second round. Okay, out of so, four. Out of four. Okay, I think that's correct. We m- might be in. The, I think we're in the second round. So, okay. so the the and are they all best of sevens? Yeah, yeah that's right. They're all. I think so. I told you I've not been following this closely. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the the Trailblazers got eliminated, which was very sad because they were the Western team. I was actually pro. Um, the Jazz and the Nuggets played each other. I I think they went to seven games, and the Nuggets won just barely. Um, so that's fine. I think the Nuggets are playing the Clippers right now, and then the Lakers are playing the Rockets. And then yeah, so we're in the second round, and then whoever wins those two rounds will play each other, and then they'll play somebody from the East. Okay. So the East, uh, Rachel, you will like this. Uh, the Miami Heat are taking it to the Milwaukee, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. That sounds right. Yep. Um, yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know why that seemed. I think I wanted to make it Minnesota for a second, but that's wrong. Um, 
because the Bucks are highly favored. They have this player called Giannis Atentacumpo, uh, Giannis Atentacumpo, uh, also known as the Greek freak, uh, who, <laughs> who's just, you know, actually a Greek dude. Um, and he is also supposed to be one of the best players right now. But he has this problem where every time he gets to the postseason, he seems to kind of choke and he's kind of doing it again. And mm-hmm. the Miami Heat are like the seventh or eighth ranked team in the East, and they have now beat the Bucks twice in a row. Um, oh, wow. Through just sheer outplaying them. So you might want to start watching those games. <laughs> well, my allegiance is, is with the Magic, uh, who I assume are, are I know, out of it by now. But yeah, I mean, it always, yeah, they are. It's like a Florida team. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, and one of the things about Giannis is, so this is an interesting thing. And Rebecca, you have to tell me, and Rachel, you have to also tell me if this happens in hockey and baseball. But I have felt like in the years that I have been into basketball as an adult, I don't know if, I assume this happened when I was a kid too, but I wasn't aware of it. Um, there is always this feeling of like, people want to bring so-and-so the amazing player to play on the Warriors. And I'm like, I don't, like, there was this whole clamor to get Anthony Davis. Everybody wanted to get Anthony Davis. He was on the Pelicans. He did not want to stay on the Pelicans. He made it very clear he didn't want to stay on the Pelicans, and he ended up going to the Lakers. And I was like, I don't fucking want Anthony Davis. I don't actually like him as a player. I don't think he would be a good fit. I don't think that, like, just because he's an all-star, like, we should just be, like, clamoring to add him. Yeah, and I mean, this year it's been yes, Giannis. Yes, it happens. And- it's been Giannis. I, I'm just like... I. I, I don't get the appeal. I would rather build the team up with like guys who are good at what they do, but aren't necessarily stars because I feel like those guys are going to do better at playing as a team and are going to mm-hmm. grow better and are going to work better and harder than if you just, I mean, so, so I'm not, I'm maybe, not sure I'd go as far as to say that there's that big of a difference between the stars, like the big, the big athletes mm-hmm. and, lesser known um because i do think mm-hmm. that um the the more well known well established like um amazing players can uh kind of can kind of like galvanize a team and and um bring it together um but sure. i but i do but i i do get your point um, actually something that happened with the Capitals a number of years ago is right before the playoffs, like right before the trade deadline, they picked up, I don't know, five name players to try to make it through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the problem was there wasn't enough time left in the season to make them act like a team. Right. And so right. the the right. following year was the year that they, I mean, they still had their core, but was also the year that they had a lot of rookie players. And that was the year they won the cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. but, but I, I, I do agree with you. I mean, when Eric Carlson came up out of Ottawa, when, when he was mm-hmm. up for, up for grabs, cause his contract in Ottawa ran out, everybody was like, we want Carlson. And, and I, I think from a fan perspective, that people mm-hmm. think getting an Eric Carlson, a Joe Pavelski, a Patrick Marlowe, mm-hmm. a name like this is going to fix the problems of the team. Yeah. And that's, uh, sure, it happens. But I think that's the exception more than the rule. Yeah, I was going to say invariably it makes them worse, right? Because like, well, this I, has happened with both 
the sharks and the warriors. <laughs> I don't think like, it. I don't think it so, always makes them work or worse. I wouldn't say always, but I feel like seven times out of ten, you know, like so, I, I so wanna, the warriors. Okay, now I want to like research this. <laughs> okay, all right, go for it. But like, so the warriors won their first championship with Steph and Clay and Draymond, right? Mm-hmm. Who are their quote unquote stars? Um, I think Steph is the only one of the three that you would really call a true superstar, but all three of them are exceptionally good and quite well known and also all, all only Warriors players. They have only ever been with the Warriors. Um, and then, so they, they went and won a championship themselves and then they went and almost won the next championship and then they got Kevin Durant and won the next two after that. But the championships with Kevin Durant, while they won them, Personally, I think they could have won them without him, and it tanked the team in an unfortunate way. Oh, you think um, so? Just, I do think so. Um, I like Kevin Durant. I don't have any beef with him the way that a lot of people do. I think he's a great player, and I think, you know, he came here and did want to try. And, like, I'll even give them that first one and say that the, the first one was good. They all wanted a ring. They went and got a ring. The second one, by the second year, it was like the bloom was off the rose, you know, and, like, it just didn't work well as a team and they weren't, none of them were happy and it just caused a lot of drama and I don't think they needed it. Um, and then the Sharks, same deal. Like they yeah, got but, but uh, Evander it, Kane and they got Eric Carlson and then continued to fail and then traded away Pavs, who was one of their core members because they couldn't afford to keep all of them. Like, um, I don't see the benefit there. But one would argue that if getting Kevin Durant got them the ring, then it worked. Sure, but I don't think you can actually prove that getting Kevin Durant got them the ring. Well, no, That's of course, you're never I mean, going to prove that. Maybe it did, but right. Yeah. But I think the other piece of this, maybe between basketball and hockey, at least, and maybe between basketball and baseball, is that basketball players move around a lot more frequently because the contracts aren't nearly as long. Hmm. So, so how yeah, long are basketball know. contracts typically? It can be anywhere from like four years to one. Okay. So like the years that Kevin Durant was here, he kept signing one year contracts, which was part of what soured everybody on him because mm. they were like, are you going to commit or right, not? Right. Do you want to be here or not? And, and the answer eventually was no. <laughs> and what about you baseball, know? Rachel? So what are, like, how are baseball contracts structured? Um, Didn't we look well, this up at one point? Um, I mean, first of all, I'm less knowledgeable about this because, you know, I don't give a shit about the trades and paying attention to all that. Just tell me who's on my team. I'll deal with that. Just play the game. Um, It seems like there's a little (laughs) bit more of like individual players, like the the big names getting plugged into a city and being representative of that city, that team. Um, And they may move around a little bit more toward the end of their career. But, you know, you had like Ichiro, who's a Mariner, and Trout, who's an Angel, and they've signed them for, you know, long stretches of time. I don't know that that's true across the, you know, the mm-hmm. average. Like, I'm sure that the average is closer to the one to four year trade. But um, I feel like maybe you see a lot more of that in baseball with the like the superstars staying put and like building teams around them. But of course, there's always the there's also the the aspect that. I just say there's less teamwork involved, but it's less direct than it is in yeah. basketball and hockey. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, so there's more of a sense of like you can unplug somebody from one place and plug them into another place. Though just from the time that I've been watching, it doesn't work as well as you'd expect. 
having seen several pitchers that were doing excellently in their various teams then come to the Marlins and suck wind, <laughs> it's, it's not as simple as, you know, unplugging and replugging mm-hmm. them in. So there's, there is a mysterious teamwork aspect to it that I, I can't claim to understand. But, um, fully agree. Does that, yeah, does that answer your question at all? I, I mean, I, to me, it gets to the heart of it because I think there's a lot of chemistry that mm-hmm. you, that is never going to be reflected in a contract and there's never right. something that you can plan for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that gets to the root of my complaint is that like, I don't want a big, we've already got Steph and Clay and Draymond. We still have Steph and Clay and Draymond. I don't feel like we need another big name. Yeah. What I want us to do is find those guys who are like just under the big names and get them to come out and find the ones of those guys who will work well with the pieces that we already have who right. are really fucking good right. Right. and compliment them. I mean, like the Andre Iguodala's, the, the Sean Livingston's, the David West's, like these guys who were on the team when they won the championships, you know, these were guys who were, you know, I don't want to say second rate players because that's not right. But like, you know, you're, you're six and seven, man. Right? right. And and then come out and fill in and are able to to know what to do with the ball and know what they're good at and good at making that happen, but aren't necessarily the superstar who is going to come in and need the affirmation and the space. And I mean, we saw this with D'Angelo in the fall, like he didn't work well with the Warriors because he didn't want to change to fit the system. Well, and fine. That's his prerogative. He's a big name and he got big money to go elsewhere. Like, cool. Good for him. But I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Well, and, and, and even if the player doesn't need that, the franchise tends to to make something out of that name coming to the team. And I wonder, and revenue. this is me. No, that's okay. Double talking out of my ass because I don't know what I'm talking about via trades. And also, <laughs> but it, what it reminds me of is like sports video games. And like, you know, you uh, want, yes. you want to yes. play as the big player. You want the big player on your team. You right. want to have the biggest right. names, you know? So that's kind of what it reminds me of there and um it's like fantasy yeah yeah well actually that's that's an interesting point because fantasy sports take the numbers and don't rely on the chemistry at all yeah yep exactly and some of it is because i think or i don't know how i enjoy sports is you know getting attached to the individual players and not necessarily like mm-hmm. being like okay well we can spare so and so like no no so and so just needs to get their chance you know yes uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. i'm not yeah, sitting mm-hmm. there thinking okay you know chris davis is sucking the season who can we get in his place no right no i want us to right. stick well, with chris davis i want us I to mean, you know yeah. <laughs> there are a few guys who yeah. are like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. done with you. You you can go. You you have not been helpful. You're bringing us all down. You get out of sure. here. But you let me decide who goes. You don't get to just trade <laughs> yes. away somebody that I love. That's the important well, part. I get to decide. And this, and exactly. And you know what? This is how I end up being an Avs fan. Because they fucking <laughs> traded players that I love. <laughs> Well, but I feel like this, you know, okay, so there are always a few players where I'm like, yeah, 
okay, you're fine, but I'm not emotionally attached to you. But I, I definitely find, and maybe this is, I mean, this is probably the same piece of like, my, my instinct is no, right? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want you to mess with my team. I don't want you bringing in some, you know, showboating superstar from some other team. Oh, yeah, this jams hard on my fear of change. Yeah. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. So, I don't know. We're all going to end up like, uh, I'm already on the slippery slope with Rebecca because I started rooting for the Avs when they were playing the Stars. And I was like, oh, no, I'm too invested in this game. This is no good. No, that's not, uh, I have no problem. I was rooting for the Avs at the same time I was rooting for the Stars. I mean. I know. I feel so bad for you. I don't know how you did that. Well, it is is a challenge. Um, Part of it for that particular matchup between the Avs and the Stars is, the stars are old. The stars are like grandparents in the league, right? They're one of the oldest. Um, so they're all of like 32. Yeah. But that's old in sports years. Um, I know, I know, I know. And, I know. and the Avs are comparatively young, right? The Avs, as of, yes. I'm going to say just two years ago, they sucked, right? And the last couple yeah. of years, they've yeah. been bringing on not – big names, but they've been bringing on like core guys who really compete. And the Avs are going to be in the playoffs and playing really well for the next five, six, seven years. The Stars, probably not, right? (laughs) So I see this very much as the Avs can, the Avs will have a very good shot at it next year. I'm not convinced that the Stars will. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. That's but that's fair. But so that was that was part of it for me. That was a tough game, though. So so let's talk for a minute about that game. Yes, it it was the Stars and the Avs, and it was a game seven. Yes, because the Stars had been up three one. Yes, and then the Avs decided to show up and play and forced a game seven, which is pretty unusual. So I Um, I actually I want to defend the Avs here a little bit. The Avs had been playing like. The Avs, okay. they were uh, – so part of that is because I look at the game last night between the Flyers and the Islanders, or really just the game mm. where the Islanders were on the ice against nobody, right? <laughs> that, to me, oh. is not showing up for a game and not deciding to – They that's had like 11 – the Flyers had like 11 shots on goal the whole game, which is – which is a minuscule amount. Like that's like half. Mm-hmm. That's like what you should get in one period. That's even on the low end of what you yeah, should have in one it's period. Like Thirty well, to fifty per yeah. game at least. Well, not yeah. fifty. Fifty is high. I mean, it's happened a okay. couple times in I these playoffs. Thirties and forties, pretty. But, well, it's pretty happened. Cool. It's happened a few times in these playoffs, and a lot of things have been going to overtime. Okay. Um, yeah. So, okay. so the Avs did come to play. But I think what happened was the stars came to play and nobody was expecting that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, yeah. So the stars, (laughs) and when the stars are on, they have, they are a very good team. They've got great defense. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I've totally, I've totally usurped what you were, what you were starting to say. But yes, the abs came back from a three one deficit to force. Uh, yeah. A game seven, and game seven was on. They did Friday afternoon. Yes, and and it was the same thing they did last year, which is part of what I think makes this a real bummer for them, is that 
they lost in the game seven of the second round last year to the sharks um to the sharks mm-hmm. yeah yeah which i was real happy about the sharks <laughs> but 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 I f- it's a bummer for them but the thing that i thought was interesting so so in the in the game 7 the stars scored the first goal but then the avs were up after that they <laughs> they tied it quickly then they scored the second and then they scored the third and then they scored the fourth and the stars were getting you know another goal like it kept being tied right mm-hmm. so the avs scored two and then the stars scored two and then the avs scored three but like they were in the lead until i want to say the last 5 minutes yes. something like that yes um and then a rookie uh tied it and then it went to overtime and like Pavelski nearly scored in like yes. the last half second. It was really impressive. It was very, very close. Um, and, and if Pavelski had won that game, I would have been like totally fine because mm-hmm. I still have a soft spot for Pavs. Like that would have been, it was like, okay, if, if he gets the winning goal, like, okay, hats off to you, buddy. Um, but then in overtime, the same rookie scored the winning goal. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it, that rookie got a hat trick. Mm-hmm. It was his first NHL hat trick. Mm-hmm. He'd scored like 11 goals in the previous season. So it was just like nothing, right? Like Not only 11 goals in the low. previous season, but 11 goals in the AHL the previous season. This is the first season oh, that he's played okay. in the National Hockey League. Um, right, and he, he has yeah, not so been playing every game. He is... He is He's a little baby Finn. He is, I don't know, yep. 15 years old. No. He's like 19. <laughs> he's, no, yeah. he's actually, he's 24. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yo- Yoel. Okay, I really did think he was like 19 or 20. Yoel Kiviranta. Yeah, he scored uh-huh. the second Stars goal, the fourth Stars goal, and then he got the overtime game winner. It was incredible the thing that always gets me with overtime hockey is that it's sudden death and it's sudden like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) like you're you're in the game and it's going and everything and then he just slaps this guy in and it's it's over and but yeah (laughs) and and you really see that on the players faces right you see it on the winning team they're like elated immediately and then the the losing team, yeah. I mean, right after Kiviranta scored, the the cameras panned to Nate McKinnon, and he just looked like, yeah, what what just happened here? I I don't understand. They all look shell shocked, yeah. and it is yeah. because it's, it's like it's yeah. like that. It's over. You don't get a chance to come back. Yeah, no, yeah. There's no response. That's yeah. it. That's it. But but yeah. So 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 I made my peace with that game because of UL because I was like, okay, he's a rookie. He scored his first hat trick in Game Seven in the playoffs. Like that's pretty impressive. Pretty yeah, like, he's also yeah. the first. It's going to be a good story for the rest. He's of He's also life. the first rookie in NHL history to get a hat trick in the playoffs and the game-winning goal or something like that. So, something yeah. Like so that, he's yeah. up there with yeah. some real names, and then it's going to be Yoel yeah. Kiviranta, and people are going to be like, "What? Who the hell is that?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, Unless he goes on to become a superstar. It's true. Um, So you mentioned that last year the the Avs lost in in the second round. The Stars Mm -hmm. lost in the second round, too, in double overtime to the Blues, who went on to win the Mm -hmm. Stanley Cup. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. 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 
All right. Well, I'm going to give Nancy a chance to take a breath and maybe drink some water and toss this over to Rachel. Um, Please. I have talked enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rachel, do you want to, do you want to tell us your unwritten rule of baseball? Sure. I'd love to. Okay. This week we're going to talk about don't swing at a three and O pitch. All right. Now, normally I'd start you off here with a general rule. Yes. I was going to say, are you going to, in your thing, are you going to explain what a 3-0 and pitch is? Yes. Okay. okay. Carry on. Okay. So, normally I'd start you off with a general <laughs> rule, and then later I'd illustrate it with specific circumstances of its breakage. Today, though, I'm going to work backwards, because there was a recent incident that broke not one, but two unwritten rules, and I think we need to talk about mm. it. Uh, it's already out of date mm. upon recording this podcast, and the Fuhrer has mostly Sorry. died down. But since time doesn't actually matter anymore, screw it. Buckle on and let's buckle up and let's get started. Okay. (laughs) So let me take you back to the evening of August 18th. The San Diego Padres. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Padres are playing the Texas Rangers in Texas. Uh, More specifically, the Padres were stomping the Rangers, such that the score was 10 to 3 at the top of the eighth. 21 year old Fernando Tatis Jr. got up to bat with the bases loaded. Uh, He's playing for the Padres. Uh, The first three pitches were balls. That is, they were thrown out of the strike zone, making the count 3-0. So three balls and zero strikes. On the next pitch, Tatis swung, crushing the baseball and sending it over the right field wall for a grand slam home run. Okay, are you clutching your pearls yet? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you think hitting a grand slam was a good thing? (laughs) Well, then you must not know that... Tatis, in his relevant relative inexperience in the major leagues, did it wrong. Oh, what? Boo. In fact, he he offered a public apology for it the next day. Oh, baby! Oh my god! Okay. And, and he had what he is much wrong with sportsmen's egos? <laughs> the Rangers, the next Rangers pitcher, attempted to play beanball with the next Padre who no. was up to bat. Machado did manage to dodge out of the way, but Jibo was out for blood. So, <laughs> despite scoring his team four runs with one swing of the bat, Tatis broke two of our unwritten rules. Now, the first we've already touched on, at least in terms of base stealing. We talked about don't try to pad your stats when your team is too far ahead or far behind. Right. Now, if your team's far behind, you're never going to be dumped on for hitting a home run of any kind. But if you're far ahead, you're likely to be chided for trying too hard. Oh it's my just not god. Sporting. See? <laughs> so the second unrule that tat- that says that Tatis shouldn't have swung that bat at the pitch in the first place. Now, this one usually comes down to probabilities and risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. A pitcher who has just thrown 3 balls in a row is likely having some trouble finding the strike zone as commentators like to say. <laughs> so in all likelihood that fourth pitch is also probably going to be a ball. Mm-hmm. Considering how difficult it is to get a hit against a major league pitcher, common knowledge says that you're better off trying for the walk. Right. Especially since you've still got three strikes to burn before you're potentially out. Mm-hmm. It's much more likely that the pitcher is going to throw one ball than three strikes in a row. Right. So best to let the pitcher simmer under the pressure. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's also the chance that the pitcher, aware that the batter probably isn't going to swing, right. may throw an obvious strike. Yes. There's also the chance that a struggling pitcher will attempt to throw a strike, any strike, and end up pitching a nice fat grapefruit right over the middle of the plate. Like in this case, one assumes? 
Yes. So mm-hmm. a grapefruit is a good case, thing for the batter. For the batter. Yes. It's bad for the pitcher. Got yeah. it. In any case, batters aren't actually supposed to rely on their own judgment on a 3-0 and pitch. They're supposed to look for a sign from their general manager that they have the all-clear to swing away. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I know you. You have a whole nice written thing, and I I keep interrupting you. You're not allowed to use your own judgment playing your own sport that you are professional at and that you've been doing since you were four. Fuck <laughs> so off. Here's, here's the thing. If it works out in your favor, nobody's gonna climb up your ass about. Except it. in this case, fine. where they do. Except yeah. Except in this case. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, just just the other day, the uh, uh, A's runners uh, ignored, I think twice in one game, ignored the third base coach saying to hold up and not go around to home. But they went around to home anyway and scored, and mm-hmm. that was fine. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about the, the place of signs, the role they play, and the strategy in the game of baseball. Um, but, yeah, you're supposed to – there are times when you're supposed to defer to your uh, coach or your manager – um, and that's usually when somebody has a bone to pick with what you just did. Okay, so supposedly the the Padres g- gave the Padres general manager gave him the sign telling him not to swing, mm-hmm. but Tatis says he missed it. Um, the pitch looked good, so he swung, and as at least one dad says somewhere in the world, every time a home run is hit. Boy, you really got all of that one. (laughs) (laughs) So as Tatis trotted around the bases, you could practically hear the sound of every commentator and journalist get a half chub at the prospect of yelling about this one. (laughs) The hot takes were predictably predictable. About half got up in arms about Tatis's flagrant violation, and the other half got up in arms about the first half getting up in arms. So no matter what side you fall on, there was something to bitch about, and that's half the true joy of baseball right there. Sports! Now, you may have noticed my dick imagery a moment ago, um, and that was not idly used. If this was <laughs> fandom, we'd we'd call this wank. Mm-hmm. Full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Mm-hmm. But it did let me wrap up this segment with, base, with, with Macbeth, dicks, and baseball all in one paragraph, so I can't be too mad. Oh, please. And them's the rules. <laughs> so, yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of feelings on this one, um, both on both sides. Uh, I have a follow-up but, question. Please, yes. Can a violation be flagrant if the rule is unwritten? Yes. I think I hate baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so... <clears throat> Hey, yeah, I I feel a lot of that, Nancy. Dumb. I just, I just, I mean, this gets back to, and we have bitched at length about this before, so I'm not going to. But, and we're going to do it again. Too much. <laughs> no doubt. But, but this is the be good, but not too good. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I just, like, I do, I feel like, and I feel like we need to dedicate a whole episode to this sometime. The concept of, like, not being a dick to your competitors but also not like being stupidly self-sabotaging in yeah. instances like this, right? Yeah. Well, he did a very difficult and terrific thing for his team. And it, any other instance, people would be thrilled and celebrating like a Grand Slam is amazing. People love Grand Slams. Yep. Those are great. But because of the 
particular circumstances of this one, it's not, it's suddenly a bad thing. And that's just bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, that is just ridiculous. Yeah, and it, you know, at some point, the unwritten rules start to feel like they only exist in order for commentators and journalists to have something to get upset about, though... There are, and there were interviews after this game with, you know, where they would ask players, even on, you know, unrelated teams about this incident. And then mm-hmm. the players would be like, oh, no, I never would have swung at that pitch. I oh, never would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. A, shut up. Shh. B, what purpose do those interviews serve? None. 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 Public yeah. shaming. Yeah. 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 And, and also there was an incident a few days later, which I didn't see anybody comparing to it. And I meant to look this up to make sure I had the facts right. But that's never stopped me before. <laughs> no, um, don't let the facts get in so, the way of a good story. Yep. Nope. So uh, a few days later, Mike Trout hit a homer off a 3-0 and pitch. Uh, it wasn't a grand slam. There were two guys on base, but his team was up by six or seven runs. Mm-hmm. Nobody mentioned that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we love Everybody Mike Trout. Everybody was just real happy. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, so this is a thing, and it, 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 we have already been talking for, I believe, more than an hour now. So I think we should, uh, yes, an hour yeah. and two minutes. <laughs> so we should not get into this now, but I want to put a pin in it because it ties to a thing that I wanted to talk about as well that I think we also need to put a pin in, which is how are our, our quote unquote, being, you know, sports media commentators, but also refs and umps, um, how are our judgments of what happened affected by the race of the player making? I was actually going to race. I, I was, I was yeah. going to ask yeah. what the races were of the two players we were talking about. Right. Well, Mike Trout is, as you might expect from his name, exceptionally white. Um, yes. And, F- and Fernando Tatis, Tatis Jr. Is he, I assume he's some sort of Latino. Yes. I want to say Puerto Rican, but I may be making that up. Yeah. Um, but yes, he is a, a Hispanic gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's I I think there's an aspect of that. Yeah, right. In that it's not being acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bias is real, um, mm-hmm. both in 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 calling and in discussing. And I think mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to get into that because uh, I will briefly say why, and then we will table the discussion for next time. But we have talked previously about Ryan Reeves, who is a player on the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And there was another Game 7 this week that was between the Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks. And Ryan Reeves was playing in it and, in fact, got ejected from the game um, for uh, uh, whatever the hockey equivalent of a flagrant foul is. Um, and He's also gotten a one-game suspension. Has he? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing with him is that he, first of all, is a player of color. Um, and second of all, he is a player of color who has a very, particularly because of his role and also because of what he's good at, aggressive style of play that gets him frequently in trouble with uh, the referees. And I always wonder with him, you know, like how much we can say bias is affecting those calls. And I don't have an answer for it, but I think it's a discussion worth having. It, it is a discussion worth having because I have thoughts about that as well. I'm sure you do. <laughs> it would have, I would love to hear them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we before uh, we I, hang up, I this do podcast, need to make a yeah a quick Rachel. correction. I just looked it up, and uh, Tatis is Dominican. Ah, okay. Thank you for that. Just wanted to get that in. Thank there. you. No, that's Thank helpful. you. Um, so before we end for today, I do think it makes sense for us to talk 
for a couple minutes of, about the Kentucky Derby because that happened that that took up two minutes of the last week. Uh, I don't even have my hat. Where is my mint julep? <laughs> oh, I'm wearing my derby hat and drinking my mint julep right now. Can't you tell? I know there was, there was nobody lie. out on the veranda this year. Ugh, so Rachel, you wanted to bring something right up about it? <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit less about the actual derby itself, sure, sure. because uh, some horse called Authentic won. Um, the <laughs> owner has won like eight Kentucky Derbies now. Oh, good grief. That's just excessive. Um, Is it Kentucky yeah. Derby or Kentucky's Derby? That's a good question. I want to say <laughs> no, Derby's, it's not. but the it's a terrible look right. question. Kentucky Derbies. <laughs> um, okay, so it was run yesterday in Louisville. On the 101st uh, consecutive day of protest, um, because if you, as you will recall, uh, Louisville is where mm. police murdered Brianna Taylor in her yep. sleep a while back. Um, 101 days. No ago one has been. Back. Yes, no one has been arrested for that. Um, but I wanted to bring it up because of an article I was reading about uh, who's current a gentleman named Greg Harbit, who's currently the only uh, black horse owner. Um, of a horse called Necker Island um, in what the article was referring to as America's whitest sport. Um, mm. We've, we've uh, looked at a lot of potentially whitest sports and this <laughs> may be the whitest. We'll see uh, topic for another day. Um, and uh, some people were kind of expecting him to pull his horse out of the race in protest. Mm. Um, and I think this is a, a aspect to the, um, the strike that we, kind of hadn't talked about. Um, and it's obviously a very different circumstance for one black owner amongst a mm-hmm. sea of, of white owners, um, mm-hmm. a very different circumstance compared to players in a league mm-hmm. um, that's more diverse. Um, and so he did not make the decision to, to pull out of the race. Um, and they made the point that uh, his grandfather, so he kind of comes from a family that's been involved with um, horse racing and horse breeding um, his grandfather uh, bred and was partial owner of a horse in the 1962 Derby, and he wasn't even allowed to sit in the grandstands. Ugh. So asking Harbutt to, you know, give up yeah. his box in the owner's seat, mm-hmm. and, or give up his seat in the owner's box mm-hmm. was not really appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, this article had a little bit of the history of, of um, African Americans in specifically U.S. horse racing. So a uh, black jockey won the very first Derby. Oh, wow. In 1875. And 15 of the first 28 derbies uh, were won by black jockeys. Um, and that falls in that. We talked about it a little bit for baseball, that period between the end of the Civil War and the beginning of the Jim Crow era, mm-hmm. where there were more opportunities for, for black Americans. Um, but the last black jockey to win was in 1902. Ooh. And none even participated in the derby between 1921 and 2000. What? Yeah. Um, wow. So there are uh, the Jockey Club, which is a high end organization. Um, I didn't look up specifically, but there are no black members um, of that club. There are no executives, black executives at Keeneland, which is uh, they run the, the uh, a lot of breeding and auctioning and um, trading of horses. Um, this is the episode where I talk exclusively about things I know nothing about, which is awesome. <laughs> um, Keep going. But this. This bit really got to me. So for generations, a representation of the annual Keeneland auctions 
has been the green-jacketed African-American grooms leading one horse after another into the sales ring where white auctioneers on a platform sing song bids of millions of dollars to a sea of white faces. Mm. So, the only, so the only place black disturbing. people are involved in the this horse racing this auction is in the sale of the horses where they are in fact in, in on, this particular I mean, they're they're in fact on the auction block with the horse basically i'm i'm not sure if they're actually up there with the horse um one hopes that somebody would have the sense to at least not do that one hopes but yeah for this the the most famous it sounded like the most famous auction in the country um the pretty much the only place that african-americans have as are as the grooms leading the horses around which yes. sounds like a paula dean plantation wedding yep yep so that's kind of the the state of the face of, of racing right now um but i like this quote from harbit to kind of sum it up um, and he was talking about how, you know, he didn't intend to uh, pull his horse out of the race. He says, we are here and people will know my family's contribution to the sport. They will know how African-Americans built horse racing and hopefully more of us will return to it. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, Good thank you for sharing that. Sure. Mm. Well, on that note, I am going to suggest we wrap it up. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's good. a good note to end on. I think that's. It's important to yeah. to talk about these things and bring them into the light. Whew. Yeah, hopeful. And, you know, this is not something I knew about. I probably could have told you that horse racing was pretty white, but yeah. I just learned how white. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I can't say I've ever spent any extensive time thinking about horse racing or the Kentucky Derby specifically, but... But yeah, if if you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, it's a bunch of rich white people. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think I would have assumed at least some African-American representation somewhere rather than 79 years of nothing. Like, Not yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah, it, like, honestly, uh, that makes me feel a little bit better about the NHL, which is not something I ever thought I'd say <laughs> when it came to racial diversity. Uh, that it might real, not be the least diverse. Yeah. Right. Wow. Now, I do think this also Ooh. begs the question that I think we've, we've discussed discussing uh, is what constitutes <laughs> what constitutes a yes. sport. Yes. Yeah. Um, but... I don't want to take anything away from those horses uh, right now. They've, they've been <laughs> through enough this weekend. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you for um, staying with us another week. Uh, you can find us on the internet at um, Foul Puck Pod on Twitter, Foul Puck Podcast on Instagram, foulpuckpodcast.net is our website. Um, Rachel has some shout outs. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was my cue, and I just missed it entirely. No, I would no. like to thank Joe for doing our editing, and I would like to thank Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. Yes, Nancy. I want to get in a last plug. Um, if you watched and enjoyed women's soccer, or if you did not get a chance to watch women's soccer, they are doing a fall series now in September and October um, has a bunch of dates. It's going to be on real TV. Like there are going to be actual games. I think I want to say every Sunday, maybe every Saturday on actual CBS. Um, nice. So yeah, and there's an actual schedule of all of the games that has already <laughs> been released. I found Amazing. it on the internet. I know. So good job, women's soccer. 
<laughs> you told me when and where to watch, and I'm all over it. Um, <clears throat> Good job, so women's soccer. Plug the- your your hey, organizers hit the minimum bar. <laughs> <laughs> minimum champion. So I just want to say, you know, we talk so much about supporting women's sports and and building on momentum. And this is really a good instance in which to build on that momentum that they got over the summer. They got the additional sponsors. They got actual real mainstream TV time that's continuing. So it's a really good chance to continue to show support, um, to tune into those games, to make sure and like tweet about it. And and yeah, so I want to encourage everybody to, to pick a team or just watch them all. And yeah. Watch Nancy, if you could sure. if you could tweet that schedule, that'd be great. I'm sure I have, but I can do it again. <laughs> if you could tag me <laughs> when you tweet that schedule, that'd that be I can do. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yep, you bet. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us for another long-winded episode of our opinions and a couple of facts, and uh, we will catch you next time. <laughs>